0: Amen. I want to be cognizant of your time. Tuesday night, I taught for an hour and 10 minutes. Praise God. I'm not going to give a time. I'm just going to say I want to be cognizant of your time, which I guess really doesn't mean a whole lot, except for I've got a a timer here, and I'm going to try to do my best to keep things at a proper uh, time restraint. The fire brand. Amen. Lord, we thank you and praise you and worship you tonight for your goodness and greatness. We praise you. We ask that you would direct us, encourage us through your word, strengthen us. We give to you thanks in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. There is a particular context in chapter number three. There's a historical context we are reading from the book of Zechariah. Zechariah is contemporaries with Zerubbabel, also contemporaries with Nehemiah. These were individuals that came from Babylon back to Jerusalem to rebuild the walls. So, for the sake of perspective and context and historicity—if that's a word—let's talk about the context that we're talking about here in this passage. When we open the book of the Bible, we read about God's creation. God creates, creates Adam and Eve. He creates the animals. He creates the world. He creates everything that is in it. And there is a time of paradise. Their failure and their refusal to listen as regarding the tree of the knowledge of good and evil causes them to be banished from the garden, and there is a curse upon the ground. There are all kinds of things that happen that place us in a fallen world that we live in today. We start reading. We read about Abraham. We read about him traveling through what is the promised land, though at the time he does not know that, but he travels through Canaan land. And his family grows. He has promised that his descendants will be as the sand of the seashore and stars of the sky. And so his descendants start to grow. We find out that there is a progression from Abraham and his sons. And we also find out that it moves through Jacob and we end up with 12 sons. We read about Joseph that goes into Egypt and what God does in his life, and in Egypt there is a growth of the Hebrews when the rest of the family comes to Egypt because there is a famine in the land. There is a Pharaoh that does not know uh, Joseph and all that he has done that is a new Pharaoh, and he forgets the ways of Joseph, and so he makes the Hebrews' life uh, rigorous, and he Puts them into bondage and slavery. This causes them to cry out and they multiply greatly, even when there are abortive means that is issued by the Egyptian government. They continue to grow and expand. We know that there's a man by the name of Moses that is born, and then there's a conflict in the king's palace. He kills an Egyptian, so he's banished into the wilderness he lives in the wilderness for 40 years. He wanders in the wilderness 40 years as God molds him, and shapes him, and fashions him. Brings him back to confront Pharaoh and stay emphatically to allow his people to go because God has got better things for the people of God. He wants to take them to a promised land. Pharaoh doesn't want to do that. There are ten plagues. And finally, at the death of the firstborn, The Hebrews leave Egypt and they move toward the promised land. The Red Sea obviously becomes an obstacle, but God works with them through the Red Sea. They come to the borders of Canaan land. They're getting ready to step into Canaan land. There's some spies that are sent out, ten spies. Two come back with a positive report. Joshua and Caleb said, we can take the land. We are well able. Eight said, where's grasshoppers? And so because of that, they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. When those generations die off, they walk into the Jordan River and cross into the promised land. Once they get into the promised land, there's a period of consolidation. They consolidate. They establish the land. They carve out boundaries and territories. They don't have a uh, place for the tabernacle, and so it's a temporary tabernacle in Shiloh, but the tribes make their way through the land. That goes well, and we find that there are uh, there's government that is set up, and Samuel leads, and at some point they want a king. And so they are given a king by the name of King Saul. From King Saul kings, comes King David. From King David comes Solomon. After King Solomon... There is a split now. We have a divided kingdom. So, you have ten tribes, which are the northern uh, tribes, which that is known as Israel, and the two tribes in the south, that is known as Judah. So, there's a divided kingdom, and at some point in those divided kingdoms, actually in 722 BC, the northern kingdoms are taken captive by the Assyrians. There's a lot of prophecies. There are books in the Bible that are directed specifically to the northern tribes of Israel about the direction that they are going, that they have forgotten God. In 722 B.C., they are carried captive by the Assyrians. The two tribes in the south, they hang on for a bit longer under better leadership and better rule. But at some point, they also are carried off 586 B.C., They are carried off by the Babylonians, and now the people of God have been carried off into foreign lands. Those that have stayed become bastardized. Some of them that stay in the land, the Samaritans, were known as individuals that were both Jewish and Assyrian. This is one of the reasons why there was such a racial hatred. Amen. I just hate the devil. I hate the devil and all that he does. And so they're carried off into Babylonian captivity. At some point in Babylonian captivity, under the rulership of King Darius, there is an opportunity for Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem to examine the broken down walls in the city. And he does. And they start rebuilding the walls. It is not an easy task, it is a very difficult task. Everything is burnt to the ground, tore down. And they have to rebuild, but they have an opportunity coming back and coming out of Babylon. Zechariah, as he is writing, he's prophesying, he's talking about this scenario. Those individuals that come from Babylon, they make their way back into Jerusalem. They look at the walls of the city and they determine in their mind and in their heart that they're going to rebuild the walls. And so that's where we are in this passage of scripture in the history, the historical context of what we are reading. I want to tell you something here and I want to be very, very emphatic about this. Whatever you're facing in this world, in history, there's also a spiritual ramification and battle that takes place. And so when we are in history here, there is also a spiritual battle that is taking place. And Zechariah gives us an opportunity to see behind what is not seen in the physical. And that is that there is a spiritual attack. You may be in the house of God tonight and you may be here in the physical going through everything that you're going through, but something may not feel right. You may feel attack upon your person or your soul. It may very well be a spiritual attack upon your life. This is one of the reasons why revelation is so very powerful because in their world they were being persecuted. But John the Revelator said, I want to show you a picture. What you're going through right now there is something greater that is taking place in a spiritual realm and the end of the story is God wins God's victorious you may not feel like a victor right now but God is victorious praise God and so the answer is don't worry about where you are right now there's a God that is full well and capable to be the sovereign God that he declares himself to be you may feel like you're at the bottom but no there's a sovereign God who's king of kings and lord of lords he can pick you up out of wherever you are and he can give you strength and encouragement to make it through Hallelujah! I wonder if there's a few honest folk here that would raise their hands and say, you know what, I feel like I'm in a battle, in a struggle. I want to preach to you that God takes a brand out of the fire and he says, I'm going to use this person for the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Let's clap our hands and thank the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. So, this scenario that Zechariah presents us is a judicial presentation because the angel of the Lord, or the Lord, is there, and Joshua the high priest is there, and Satan is there. (laughs) It's a judicial environment, which means that there is a judge, and there is an accuser, and there is the accused. <laughs> I'll tell you this right now. I want the Lord on my side. <laughs> I don't want to side up with Satan, the accuser of the brethren. I want to side up with the Lord. And here, this scenario is in this judicial format in which it seems as if Satan is there only to bring about all of Joshua's failures and circumstances, that Joshua represents the children of Israel as a whole. In other words, he's carrying not only his own failures, but he's carrying the people's failures. And the enemy is there to point out all of the failures. The devil is a devil. Because he always wants to point out your failures. I want to say to you tonight, I am a failure and I really shouldn't even be in this pulpit. But thank God in the judicial proceedings, there is a righteous judge that says, You don't get the opportunity to pass the judgment here. You can bring up the accusations, but I'm the one that's going to make the judgments. I thank God that I'm in the hands of a merciful God because if I I wasn't in the hands of a merciful God. I wouldn't be preaching to you here tonight, but thank God for his mercy that he didn't cast me down, throw me away, cast me off. Woo! But he gave me an opportunity to raise my hands and worship him and magnify him. And so there Satan is. He is there to be the accuser. And here this scenario is. Satan is there standing at the right hand to resist Joshua what are they doing they're going back to rebuild the walls they're going to do something for God and Satan is there to resist probably along the lines of saying you have no business building these walls you were carried out of this city into Babylonian captivity as a mark against you for history. You will never get beyond the history of being carried out. When you thought everything, the temple was yours, there was never going to be any kind of subjugation to any kind of foreign dominant power, and yet Babylon came in here and plucked you right out of here. What right do you think you have to come from Babylon back into this city to rebuild these walls? Praise God. But there was one by the name of Zerubbabel, and there was one by the name of Nehemiah, and there was one by the name of Joshua that said, we think it's still a worthy endeavor to build up what has fallen down. Oh, I want to preach to you tonight on this point right here. If there's some things that have fallen down, you need to get back to rebuilding the wall. Anybody hearing what I'm saying? Sometimes life causes things. Sometimes failure causes some things. But whatever the condition of the wall is, you need to pick up a sword and a shovel and you need to tell the enemy, ballot and Tobias, we're going to build this wall back to its grandeur, back to its function, back to its ability, back to its security. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. We're going to rebuild some things. Sometimes in our lives, things aren't measured to where they need to be. Maybe we've neglected some things. I want to preach faith to you. If you neglected some things, pick up a hammer, pick up a shovel and say, I'm rebuilding something. I'm rebuilding a marriage. I'm rebuilding my finances. I'm I'm rebuilding relationships. I'm rebuilding some things. Rebuilding my ministry in the work of God and the kingdom of God. I refuse to let the accuser tell me what I can and can't do because God has called me to greater things. I'm not a failure. I'm a child of God. I'm going to rebuild this city. I'll pick these rocks up. I'll move things back to where there is a protection and a hedge around the city of God. This excites me because this is about what the ministry of the church is. Mm, How nice is it in verse number two when the Lord says unto Satan, The Lord rebuke thee, O Satan, even the Lord that hath chosen Jerusalem rebuke thee. This is a brand plucked out of the fire. Now, I want to be consistent in context here. I want to interpret the scripture correctly. The brand plucked out of the fire seems to be a very strong suggestion that Joshua has been in the fire in Babylon. And we know that to be the case when we read Daniel's example to us. Who was in the fire because they had some convictions? Who was in the fire because they refused to bow down? When the music started playing and they said, Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, we not, are not careful in how we answer. We are not bowing down to this image that you have set up. It's an image, it's idolatry, and furthermore, that's just my interpretation, okay? It's ugly. And we're not bowing to it. You know what happened to them? They got thrust into the fire. Where were they in the fire? They were in the fire in Babylon. Joshua was in the fire of captivity in Babylon. And the Lord said, I've plucked this brand out of the fire. I want to ask you something. Who's in charge of the fire? We've got a misconception if we think the devil's in control of the fire. The Bible tells me hell is... prepared for the devil. He's not in hell somewhere because hell is prepared for him. So where is he? He's walking around to and fro. He's moving around. He's a vagabond. He doesn't have a place to set up physical residence. It's God that is controlled of the fire. He's the one that controls the flame. Doesn't the Bible say that he is a consuming fire? You may feel like you're in the fire, but you just hang on because God's got control of that and he's He's trying to refine you You may be going through some refining And when you come out of the fire You're going to come out of the fire Tried as pure gold Hallelujah, don't just complain about your situation all the time Why don't you pray and say God, in the middle of this situation I know when I get out of this I'm going to be better than when I got into this And you're still God And you're still sovereign And you're working on me you say you you don't understand pastor it's really really bad it's it's burnt to a crisp and there's not a whole lot that's left god said to satan i've plucked this brand out of the fire Babylonian captivity looked like fire and it looked like everything was consumed. But God said, there's still a brand here. It's charred and it's just smoking. But you just watch because I'm going to do something with it. I've plucked it out of the fire and I'm going to use it for the kingdom of God and the glory of God. It's not over until, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. It's not over until I was going to say the fat ladies hang. But you know what? That's not very politically correct. It's not over. I'll put it this way. It's not over until it's Over, as long as you're in the house of God tonight, there's still some smoking embers in the brand that God pulls out of the fire. As long as there's a brand that God has in his hand, it's going to be all right because you're still here. Keep fighting, keep pursuing, keep living for God. Keep trying your very, very best. Hallelujah, look at the devil and say, I may not be perfect, but I'm still here in the house of God, and I'm not going anywhere. I'm going to live for God. I'll be the brand that God pulls out of the fire. The fire brand, the fire brand. Nudge your neighbor and tell them you're a fire brand. You say, well, you don't know. (laughs) You don't know how burnt I feel. You may feel like you've been barbecued to a crisp. I like meat steaks. I like it. Medium well to well done. Not well done, not well done because that's, that's, I can't do rare though. I can't do that. (sighs) But I've been told that if you do well done, then you cook all the flavor out of it. And then it's not any good. And then I've also been told that's not blood. That's just stuff that's in it. That's, you're not really consuming blood. I can't juicy. Yeah, yeah. See, that's the one that's been telling me all those things, right? He's still over there saying it. But I like it medium, medium well. Medium well. I, I can, I can get. I was at the burnt stage when I was in North Dakota. I came here, and the influence of my my father-in-law brought me to the medium well. Sometimes medium okay, but I can't go. Be, I can't go beyond that. I can't do anything beyond that too crispy. But it was funny because when my family came from North Dakota and they ordered a steak, they ordered it well done. That thing looked so charred and they were just, ooh, this is so good. Man, that looks terrible. And probably tastes terrible, but they thought it was so good. You may feel like you are burned to a crisp. And there is nothing left. Hang on. Because as long as God has you in his hand, you're a firebrand that he pulls out of the fire. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Anybody here feel like you've been in a fiery furnace? I know some of you have because I've talked to you. I know your testimony feels like you're in the fire. Praise God, but you're still in the house of God. What's happening? There's still a smoldering. God's still going to do something. It looks like the tree's been cut down, but God's going to to produce something out of it. You need to get your head up and your hands up. You need to get some faith and say, I am still valuable to the kingdom of God. I don't care what the devil says and the accuser. I'm going to live for God. I'm going to be a conqueror. I'm going to make it because God has got me in his hand. Hallelujah. I, I must hurry. I must hurry. The Lord rebukes as the controller of the refining fire. Praise God. I need to come back. I need to circle back and say this again. <laughs> I need to come back to this and say this again. I need to say this. Our God is a consuming fire. And he takes our experiences. Oh, this is good. This is so good. This is Worth the price of no admission. <laughs> Just coming here tonight. That's all you had to do. <laughs> Some guy, sometimes God takes our experiences and he uses those those experiences to grow and develop us so that we can be refined. If you never go through anything, you're not going to be able to have a testimony coming out the other side and saying, man, that was a mess. It looked like everything was arrayed against me. Somehow God did some things in my life, and I've got a testimony. Some of you have horrific situations, abusive situations, circumstances you wouldn't want anybody else to even know. But you know what? You came through it, and God refined you. Now you've got a testimony to be able to tell somebody else, whatever situation you're in, I know that you can make it because I was there, and there was no way out it except for a miracle. And God's still in the business of doing signs, miracles, and wonders. He refined me. He he developed me. He fashioned me and molded me. Hallelujah. It was a fire, all right, but I came through it victorious. Anybody ever been through circumstances? Come on. Anybody ever been through turmoil? Everybody ever been through the fire? Count it joy when you enter through. Diverse temptations You know what we need to start praying We need to start praying God you help me Through this and teach me something In the middle of this rather than praying God take this away from me Praise God. That's what—that's our default position. Lord, you got to take this away from. Me. I can't handle this. This is too much. This is the mountain is too high. I can't do it. We need to start praying. God, the mountain looks ridiculously high, but you said the faith of a mustard seed is all it takes to say to the mountain, "Be removed into the sea." And so I'm going to trust in you in the midst of this flame, in the midst of this difficulty, in the midst of all that I'm going through. I know that you're developing me. I know that you're growing me. I know that you're maturing me. And I want to be a child of God that comes out on the other side better than when I entered into the fiery furnace. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, when he looked in, he said, wait a minute. I see four, and there were only three that we put in there. What's going on? What's going on is the Son of Man steps in the middle of your circumstances and says, you may feel like you're alone, but you're not alone Because I'm walking with you. You may feel like you're all by yourself. You're not all by yourself. Because I'm a God that is going to be faithful to you. Amen. Amen. Praise God as musicians come tonight. Praise God, praise God. The Lord rebukes Satan and he says, Joshua's standing there with filthy garments. One commentator said that the filthy garments represent garments that are full of excrement. He's filthy. And then it's interesting the way that he described it. He said this filth has come from the inside out. And it's on joshua's garment and it's a representation of being carried off from captivity out of jerusalem into babylon and all the sins that are associated with that and god looks at that travesty and he looks at their sins and he says it's not over because i've picked a firebrand out of the fire amen and i'm going to use them i'm going to call them and select them and so he says, I want you to take the filthy garments off of him. And I have caused thine iniquity to pass from thee, and I will clothe thee with a change of raiment. <laughs> Praise God. I stand before God, and I recognize my righteousness is as filthy rags. And in the judicial proceedings, I'm completely at the mercy of, of the Lord, but the Lord doesn't listen to the accuser. The Lord rebukes the accuser. And he says, Take off the filthy garments that are upon him, and robe him with a new robe of attire, and put a mitre or put a crown on his head. Amen. And the angel of the Lord protested or charged Joshua and said, Joshua, walk in God's ways. Come on, walk in God. And if you'll keep this charge, you can judge the house righteously and you can keep the courts and you can walk among the places that stand by. When it looked like it was completely over and there was no rebuilding of the walls and no, they were in the diaspora. They had been been scattered to the four parts of the world. And yet here comes a band by the name of Nehemiah and Zerubbabel and Joshua, and Zechariah. And they're coming back to a torn down city, and torn down walls. Carrying the burden, carrying the burden of all the failures of Israel. So much so it was described as a garment that was Filthy. And yet the Lord says, no, I want you to take off the filthy garment. I'm I'm going to robe Joshua in a new garment. Not only is this historical, but it's also prophetical. Because in verse number five. Hear now, O Joshua, the high priest, thou and thy fellows that sit before thee, for they are men wondered at. For behold, I will bring forth my servant The branch. Verse number eight. Project that, if you will, they will bring forth the branch. I don't know if in this rendering, when it's projected, it will be as it is in the King James version. But the branch, there it is. It's in all caps. I will bring forth my servant, the branch. God's saying in the present, I'm going to show you something. But in the future, there's going to come one. And he's going to be a branch. (laughs) So we get get prophecy in this. You know what's happening in the life of Joshua? It looked like the tree had been cut. That when they were carried into captivity and carried out of Jerusalem, somebody cut the tree down and said, it is over. There'll be no more growth. But Joshua, when he's standing before Satan, before the Lord and Zechariah sees this and Zechariah uses this to preach and to testify as those people are working on that wall it looks like somebody came in and cut the tree down But there's a branch that's coming it's coming up out of a trunk that has been cut down and it's going to grow again you know what Zechariah was prophesying about Jesus it looked like they had cut the tree down but there is no tomb that can hold him There is no grave that can hold him. It looks like it was cut down, but there was something growing out of that. And it was a tree that spreads its limbs to everybody through the work of Calvary. Praise God. What are you saying here tonight, Brother Bradford? I'm saying that if you feel like somebody's cut the tree down, don't give up. Don't walk. You could say in some cases you're a firebrand plucked out of the fire, but you could also say you were the tree that feels like it's been cut down, but there's a branch that's going to come out of it. And what's going to come out of it? It's going to be the King of kings and Lord of lords, and his name is Jesus that gives you the power and the ability to say, it looks like it's dead, it looks like it's cut down, but God's regrowing some things. Praise God. Come on as we stand together in the house of God tonight. Whatever the accuser of the brethren has tried to accuse you and bring to the forefront of your mind is that which has been cut down, hewn, and thrown into the fire. There's a branch by the name of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, that grows and regrows some things. I've come specifically tonight for individuals that have felt like they're in the fire and and they have been just completely fried. I'm talking about people that feel like the tree has been cut down and there is nothing that could ever grow out of that. I'm telling you tonight that's alive from the pit of hell. Amen. Because the Lord is standing in judgment. And what is he saying? You're a firebrand plucked out of the fire. And if you feel that way in this place tonight, I would challenge you. Don't walk away without stepping into this altar and into this well and saying, God, I want you to flourish some things. I want you to grow some things in my life. When I feel like a failure, I want there to be something that grows out of that. Accusation comes and the claim is made. You'll never be able to accomplish anything after your past. I mean, you're like Joshua standing with filthy robes. Praise God in the house of God tonight. There's a God that says, Take off the garment that he's wearing. Take off the garment that she's wearing and put something else on her and put a crown on her head. There's still work to be done. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place tonight. Come on, everybody in this building, lift up your hands. God, I thank you and praise you as they prepare to sing a song of invitation tonight. I praise you and thank you and worship you. Praise God. Come on, sir, come on, ma'am. You may feel like you're in the fire and there there are things that it's really, really hot and you feel like you're in the furnace. There's a God that pulls you out of that to use for his glory and his honor. Praise God. I feel the presence of God in this place.